Welcome to the Green Heart Living Podcast with your host, Elizabeth Hill. It is an absolute pleasure to be talking with Dr. Vilma Luz Caban today. How are you, Vilma? Hello. How are you, Liz? I'm very well. And we are celebrating the release of The Heart of an Advocate, your new book. And uh, I'd love to hear from you a little bit about what has inspired you to write this book and put it out there. Can you tell a little bit about the inspiration? Sure, sure. Um, About 10 years ago, uh, almost 11 years ago, my mom passed away from cancer. And I felt that I needed to have part of a a healing experience to do something in her memory. And my mother is a, a, a a woman who was battered in an abusive relationship for many years. She stayed in a relationship for a very long time, several decades. And um, by the time she passed away, she was living her best free life. And so I wanted to find a way to celebrate that and to kind of frame her story. So I did some domestic violence research in the Dominican Republic and in Puerto Rico. And that kind of uh, really evolved into doing other forms of humanitarian research. But as I'm coming now to the end of my career and I'm thinking about what I want to do now um, in my life, I feel like I still want to honor my mother because at at the, the age where, you know, she wanted to live in this house to get away from my stepfather she never got to do that and so I made a promise to her that I would fix her home and this project is a part of making that dream come true it's it's getting the story out there and my dream believe it or not is to open up my own publishing house in Puerto Rico and I felt that how is I going to do that if I have not gone through that experience so I'm using all of this to be able to kind of prepare my steps to move in that direction and of course as you say that my heart just warms and just when I met you and you told me your dream I went whoa (laughs) I need to be part of this I need to uh, you know help um, you in this way and it's been such an honor to work with you and to publish your book and and it's resonating with people it is number one bestseller in two different categories number one new release and and in categories that are really quite beautiful and reflective of the work you do. One of them is in human rights, which you've done so much advocacy and research in that area. Um, And put your life out on the line, as you tell about in the book of traveling the world to advocate for women and children. And it's so beautiful. And the other category is in education policy and reform, which you have lived it as an educator for 30 years. Oh my goodness. Putting your name out there. Over 30 years. I'm entering my, this is my 32nd year of teaching. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. And um, I just feel like it's, um, I'm in in, in a new season and I hope that I can inspire um, teachers who, you know, who have a passion for teaching to prepare themselves for this next chapter in their life, that it can be 
continue to be purposeful because we are so passionate about our careers. And so many times when we leave that profession, we can feel at a loss. So my goal is to model how we can nurture those passion projects in our career, in the midst of our teaching, as well as in any career, so that when you get to this change of season, you feel equipped to be able to still pursue what makes you happy. And we were talking about before we went live about how a lot of your work has been in the research field. And there's a, a particular scholarly way that needs to be presented, right? And, and so this is a shift in that you are the subject of this, right? This book is your life experience from when starting from when you were uh basically before you were born actually because you wow. talk about that and growing up in in New York and and then um it brings us through how you became a teacher and and moved into that and grew in that area and then into this global track of uh, this of um helping with um equity you know building equity and helping women and children get that and advocating for them um it's a little bit different experience and I know you felt a little oh, I don't know like God. vulnerable or weird or should I, I be writing struggle. In and I still struggle even in recommending the work but I I realized mm -hmm. that um it's a hybrid and so we're breaking ground as a publishing house. Thank you for believing in my work, because what we're doing is we're breaking ground. And it's a hybrid of a memoir with what we call an ethnography, ethnographical research. Ethnography in the study of social sciences is about looking at a cultural phenomenon through the lens of a subject. And in this case, you know, they through face-to-face -face interviews, through observations in the field. And that's the work that I was doing with the girls in Kenya, uh, battling FGM, female genital mutilation, as well as children in the streets of Morocco and Guatemala, looking at domestic violence victims in the Dominican Republic and in Puerto Rico. I realized that here I was as a writer, now using myself as the subject. It required suspending some you know, clearly some subjectivity, but at the same time, I bring a unique voice in the voice of the subject to this phenomena. So I feel like when folks purchase this book, yes, they're getting a very tender story of a young little girl that is hurt and is now, you know, growing up and building uh, her strong, getting stronger and getting a set of strategies and skills to help her break through. But at the same time, they're getting golden nuggets of research findings and research experiences that I think can help future social work departments of behavioral science. All of that, I believe, is going to be kind of like breaking ground. And I hope that this can set a place for this form of hybrid writing, because, you know, the personal, you know, I say in the book is political and to be able to ratify and impact change, you know, hearing from the subjects themselves intimately is a way to continue to move the work forward. So I hope that this uh, memoir captures that and can kind of position social scientists to be able to really look into this cultural phenomena of domestic violence with a closer lens. Mm. And I think, from a social work perspective, where I come from, there's a, there's a, I don't know how to say this exactly, but 
something I like to see broken is this idea of other, people being other, people being different than us, right? A researcher looking objectively at, at this, this group of people that we're studying, when so many people are drawn to this field, the, the social sciences and education, because they wanna make a difference because they've lived a certain way and they want to help other people that might be in that situation not face that. So if we can break ground with this of allowing more openings for people who have lived experience in this to educate others about what that is like, instead of it just being some kind of outside researcher's perspective on another group of people, massive power in that. So I love that you have done that here with your, your work. And it wasn't easy. In that. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. I, I, even today, I, I read those first two chapters of me being a little girl and I cringe because I say, oh, they're so simplistic. They, the vocabulary, it's so it's so simple and I worried about it and I thought no they need to see that because that little girl that hurt little girl ends up being where she is now so I hope that you know they, they can get past that simplistic language and really get to the heart of the story which is the heart of this advocate yes and so a lot of our audience um is are people that are writers themselves, many of which are writing their personal stories. So I'd, I'd love to hear from you a little bit about what that experience was like, especially writing some of the sensitive things about when you were young and growing up. What was that like for you? Um, I, you know, I have to say being a, an educator, being a teacher, you know, I believe that in order for us to teach something, right, we have to be the best students of the craft. So I, here I was modeling for students all the time, you know, look for an artifact that can conjure up, you know, memories if you're writing a personal narrative for students or look for, you know, uh, maybe do a sketch to activate some thinking. And so here I was teaching that, but I was not applying it because it was still too challenging. So um, what I did was I kind of plotted through and I had a list of things that I wanted to cover. And when I felt like I can activate some courage and boldness, I would take one of those and I used it almost like a seed for my writing. And I would literally write powerfully. So I would set a timer for five minutes. And I said to myself, I'm going to write fast and furious powerfully on this topic. I'm not going to worry about what it sounds like. I'm not going to worry about the craft. I'm just going to get it out. And so I would do that. And then what I would do is the next step was I would record myself looking at what I was reading. And I videotaped myself doing that. Now, I know that sounds a little odd, but what I was watching was my face. When I replayed it again, I realized that the part of that dissonance that was on my face was there was still a story in there. I needed to get it out. And so that's when I would uh, break, I, I would type what I wrote down furiously put it on, on a Microsoft Word document, wherever I saw my face react or wherever I knew in my gut I didn't feel right, I left a space. And that was the gap in my story. And so every time I would get back, my objective was to fill in the gap. I was not going to worry so much about what was written. I wasn't going to reframe it. I wasn't going to retype it. My goal was to fill in the story. When I did that, it started to grow. And that's where I started to feel like, okay, I have fleshed out that little seed. And then I would just keep doing this because 
if, if you look at it as an all-encompassing one long linear path, you will, you will just feel overwhelmed. And this work requires a very, it's like laying brick, you know, layer by layer. And that's what this work was about, mm. bit by bit. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. That's such an interesting way of gaining insight on it, right? Just to actually observe ourselves in the moment. Yeah, so it was not easy. In fact, one of the hardest uh, chapters was cornered by a chief. And boy, that was heart wrenching because here I was as a child, you know, dealing with trauma. But now as an adult, I had to face it again. And I had to literally I had to ask permission for a, a dear soul that loves me and cherishes me. And I recorded myself telling that story as the person was cooking. They were not sitting next to me or looking at me. They were cooking. And I was sitting in their kitchen and just set it down. And I watched myself tell the story. The same thing. I then um, made a transcript of what I wrote. And then from there, I did the same thing. Where are the gaps in the story? Where's the part that you didn't want to say because you were embarrassed they were going to judge you, right? Or where's the part that, you know, the inner critic was like on fire? That's the gaps. And that's where I filled it in. That's amazing. That that will help so many people, I think, I as they go so. to write their story. And um, also, the so you had some interesting things to share about the the word advocate mm-hmm. that yeah. is in the title, and and kind of making peace with yourself in that seat of of owning that word for yourself. I had a real hard time. First, when my son saw the title, he just he got so emotional, and he said, "Mom." you have the perfect title. And I said, really? He goes, yes, mom. Yes. The heart of an advocate. That's like the perfect title. And I go, why? He goes, mom, everyone, everyone wants to be led from what makes them happy. And that's the heart. And you followed your heart and that you wanted to advocate for others is just wonderful. It's, it's altruistic. It's compelling. And I thought, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you so much for believing in this work. And, you know, as I started, I had a friend who told me, Vilma, you know what? You're an advocate. And I I resisted that title for a long time. I'm a teacher. I'm an educator. I'm a friend. I'm a goofball. <laughs> you know, all of the things that, you know, I yeah. felt like I am. But advocate, no way. And so what did I do? It sounds so geeky. I go to Miriam Webster and I read the, the the definition. And then I thought, oh, wow. And of course, you know, breaking down the word ad means to move forward. VOC in advocate is like in Spanish, voz, voice. So mm-hmm. what I essentially did was move forward, elevating or amplifying the voices of those who desperately needed help, which was our women and our children that were really in compromised um, situation, compromising situation. So that's why the heart of an advocate came about because I really believe in the power of that word. So I have my moderator, my best friend, Rachel Torres. She is going to be there for my book launch um, October 8th and the start of my book tour, October 21st in White Plains. And so she gets the book and she's like tagging it and writing it. And she says, I found 28 acts of advocacy. That you <laughs> and I said, oh my God, really? She goes, yes. So I know that it ran true for her that 
You know, we all, how, how many times have we not advocated for a dear friend? You know, they have shared something for, to us and, we, and we're like that alternative voice going, really, you sure you want to do that? I don't know. I think you could do it. Let's try this. And right, or, or we're advocating for others. I really believe so-and-so would be great for this position. Let's give that person a chance. Um, or, you know what, they're, they're rallying something at church. Um, they're doing a crowdfunding for an event to support a local mission. You know, we, people are constantly, these are all signs of advocacy. When you decide to participate in a walkathon for, you know, leukemia or lymphoma, you are advocating for all those victims, right? All, the, all those, those sad families, the people who are heartbroken, but you want them to feel like they're doing, making a difference. You're advocating on their behalf. So I think we really have to take a close look at the word advocacy and try to see it's a multi-dimensional diamond. What part of it is you in your work and the nature of your work and your nature of being a good neighbor, uh, being a parent, advocating for the needs of your child? All of that rings true when we think about an advocate. It's just not someone in the courtroom, a lawyer, or someone who's advocating for maybe immigrants, you know, seeking asylum. It, there's so much more. Yes. And that's something that all of us can, can take something from and really step into, right? That we can say, hey, this is something that I can embody. And it's, it's being the voice somebody else that might not be able to be that voice in that moment, right? And it can be big and it can be small, right? Exactly. And all making a difference. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. You are such an inspiration. I can't wait to see all the people that you help through sharing your story and helping them uh, share their voices and their stories as well. And the book is available in ebook and paperback. It's available yes. on, on Amazon. And you can also find connect with you through your website, VilmaLuzcaban.com, correct? Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. And I hope, you know, we definitely can move this advocacy work forward. And uh, my dream, Liz, and when I one day when I grow up, um, <laughs> I open up a publishing house in Puerto Rico. I hope you can join our beautiful group of writers and inspire each other because it's about creating capacity. So thank you for believing in my mission. Thank you for believing in my voice. I can't thank you and your team enough for what you're doing to empower the next generation of writers. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you. I can't wait to be there. I see we have the pictures in the back of the book that you can yeah. take a peek yes, <laughs> yes. of the house being oh, I can't together. Wait. So yes. Yeah. Yes. And we'll have a ribbon cutting ceremony. We'll bring the bomba dancers. We will have a beautiful fire and it'll be magical. So yes, one day. To find out more about Green Heart Living, visit us on our website at www.greenheartliving.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash greenheartliving.